And that's from the place of fellowship and communion with God. You as an individual were created for fellowship and communion with God. We as a corporate body can only function in health and effectiveness from the place of fellowship and communion with God. So prayer doesn't take the back seat to uh, the preaching of the word, to making disciples and evangelism. Uh, Prayer is at the pinnacle. It it is the center point. It is who we are in our identity and everything that we do comes from the place of prayer. So number one, I want to encourage you to be involved as an individual um, in the posture of prayer. But we have prayer sets that actually will be resuming in January. But as of this week, um, Saturday night, are going to continue. Seven to nine, we will continue to have our worship and intercession set at 135 Western Avenue. I encourage you to be a part of corporate worship and prayer. Um, Wednesday evenings, we actually are going to be starting our small groups, our small group discipleship groups up again. And basically what that's going to look like is a time of worship And then they're going to discuss a topic amongst everybody and then break up male and female into discussion groups. Crystal, Crystal, you want to raise your hand? Crystal is going to be leading the ladies small group and John, and actually the other John, which isn't here, um, is going to be leading the men's group. But that's Wednesday evenings. Um, But along those lines, I kind of, I know it's November. I know we still have December and then January, but I want to just put a bug in your ear because I know that a lot of people travel throughout the holidays. Um, But we as a community make a commitment in January at the beginning of the year to give the first 40 days to the Lord in the posture of prayer and fasting. If you have never fasted before, I want to encourage you that in the month of January, we also spend an extensive amount of time teaching on prayer and fasting, um, taking that posture, we'll have teaching and instruction. Um, but it, basically, the reason I'm, we're going to start announcing and preparing people's hearts is, number one, a lot of people travel throughout the holidays, and some of you may, we may not even see till January again. But two, I have found in my own life, preparedness is the key to anything that I'm going to do. And this is a very practical thing. Let's think about it. You are here, and you made it here for a 4 o'clock service. The reason you made it here for a 4 o'clock service is because you predetermined at your, your day, your entire day, actually, your meals, what you did, what commitments you could and couldn't fulfill were based upon the fact that you had some place to be at 4 p.m. Now, when someone comes to you and says, I really wanted to make it to church today, it just, like, I realized it was 4.30, and then all of a sudden I went, oh, they already started, and I would be late. That is simply the fact that you did not predetermine in your heart that you were going to be there. Because I guarantee you, anything that you determine you're going to do, you do it. You, you follow through with it. But when you vacillate, when you're undecided, that's where it was like, oh, I didn't make it to the gym. And oh, I didn't make it to read the word. Because you didn't determine in your heart and purpose in your heart and prepare up until that point. So the reason we put it out there regarding this fast is that some of you may have never fasted before. And this is what I want to say to you. We don't start January 1 for the very reason of Christmas and New Year's. Most people are pigging out on New Year's Eve, right? I used to before I was married, spend New Year's Eve fasting, (laughs) preparing for my 40 days. So mind you, you're all probably eating Chinese at midnight, right? Something like that on New Year's. So we actually take the first seven days to pretty much start to detox and prepare ourselves (laughs) for our fast. So as a community, our fast will actually begin January 7th. What does that mean to you? It's an invitation. Are we going to ask you if you're fasting? Absolutely not. Does, if you don't want to fast, if you do not feel provoked or inspired to do so, no guilt, no condemnation. But we actually see it as a lovely way, and, it, and it, fasting is a gift. It's truly a gift that's been given to us to posture our hearts at the beginning of the new year before the Lord. Number one, to hear what he has to say to us regarding the new year, but also that we would be in a posture of saying, God, above all else, I want to seek you. And I place you before all else. It's a powerful thing to place him before all. So that's in January, January 7th, we'll be starting our fast. Small groups start Wednesday, um, 7 p.m. to 9 at 135 Western Avenue. Prayer continues on Saturdays from 7 to 9 at 135 Western Avenue. And then as of when we start our fast, actually, is when prayer sets resume at 135 as far as our regular um, prayer sets. Is there any questions? They actually start Wednesday. So this is the deal. They were going to start in January. And what actually happened was, is there were several people that expressed a desire. You have a little note card on your chair here. 
John Howard, I think it was, had the idea that there may be actually topics that people would desire to hear about and learn about. So completely anonymous, if you have a desire to have something taught, to have something discussed, to look into the Word of God pertaining to something, um, you can simply write it on this card. We're going to pass the basket, and then this will actually be what our small group leaders will be um, teaching, discussing, and there'll be a time of prayer at the end of every small group for individual needs. So, any other questions? All right, well, thank you, Crystal and Bethany. Um, I would hope with the demand of small groups that there'd be many um, that would be there, but also many people that would contribute to the topics, you know. Um, I think it's a brilliant idea that John Howard uh, had uh, just to be able to drum up some conversation in the small groups that have to do with things that you're interested in. Amen? Somebody say amen if you can. All right. How is everybody doing this evening? Good? Okay, Christina Ho's doing good. Praise God. One of you. All right, well, I have the privilege of bringing the word today, and I know what you're saying. You're excited about the word. Will Eifler's excited. Jacob Kim, I'm sure, is ecstatic. Come on. So you might have noticed that we did worship a little different, uh, a little longer. It's good. Give the parents with children a little break, a little time to get in the presence of the Lord. That's always great. Um, We're in a series uh, called Gratitude. This is our second part of the series called Gratitude. How many enjoyed Bethany's message last Sunday? I heard such great things. I'm not, wasn't able to hear it, but I heard great things about it. Amen. Well, you may be wondering why I have my computer and my iPad here. I feel like I'm getting older and I need a bigger spread. You know, uh, the iPad just seems too small for me and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, and so I'm going to use my iPad for my Bible and I'm going to use my iMac or MacBook Pro, I'm sorry, for my notes. Amen. All right, John, don't look at me like I have four heads, man. I only have one. I know it's not that attractive, but it's still one. It's the one that God gave me. Let's bow our head and invite the Lord here. Amen. Come on, some of you need to laugh this evening. It's good. All right, Father, we welcome you, and we ask, Lord, even more so that you would come upon me, God, as I deliver this word. God, I thank you that, um, Lord... People haven't come to hear from me, but they've come to hear from you, Lord. And this word will be empty without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I empty myself of myself, and I ask God that you would touch me, Lord. And through this word, you would feed your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, gratitude. I want to start this uh, time of talking off by saying, ain't nobody want to be around a miserable person. Ain't that true? And ain't nobody got time to be miserable. You know, if you looked at our family, uh, I have to confess and be honest that um, my wife and son are very happy people, very happy individuals. And I seem to sometimes be the dark cloud that comes in the room of misery and, and, and grumbling. You know, I'm trying real hard, but the Lord's still working. So I hope that through this word, the Lord will impact my heart as much as he impacts yours. There was a song that they used to sing, um, Bethany would sing when I come into the room, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to say that I'm a miserable guy, but I, I have my tendencies to be very, you know, what is it, always the glasses half empty or half full type of deal. You know, I'm like, nah, it's more empty than full type deal. And Bethany's always holding me accountable, but she'll sing this song every, well, I'm not going to sing it. You guys might take it wrong. Proverbs 17:22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit zaps a person's strength. Come on. Or as the message puts it, a cheerful disposition is good for your health, but gloom and doom leave you bone tired. You know, some of you may be wondering why today it is that you lack strength. Or if you ever just like felt like, oh, I'm so tired, but it's like an everyday type reoccurrence where you just get up, you're just like, I'm so tired. I just had like 11 hours of sleep, but man, I'm so tired. Or maybe some of you are really chipper and cheerful, but you have friends or they're just miserable, Christina Ho. And um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. 
okay? But you, you might have some friends that are miserable people, and you get around them, and after you, you've had your time with them, you leave, and you're like, man, I just feel so tired and exhausted. Have you, am I the only one that has ever said that? I'm sure my wife has said that many times when she's uh, come out from hanging out with me. Man, Daryl, you exhaust me. Actually, she actually has. But there's something about uh, being miserable that zaps your strength. If you're the person who's miserable or if you hang around people who are miserable, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay? I certainly don't. All right. You gotta, you know, I, I, with this crowd, it's always like the first 10 minutes is just trying to get everybody to loosen up, laugh a little bit, you know, try to, try to smile. It is smiles good. Remember, uh, Proverbs 17.22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. That means it has healing properties. Come on. There's something about cheerfulness. There's something about being thankful and being full of gratitude that is medicine to the soul. And if you ever wonder, you know, why you're so tired, maybe we just need to examine ourselves before the Lord and check our cheerful meter. Okay? All right, Christina. Praise God. <laughs> Have you ever heard the saying that birds of a feather flock together? Is that too old school for some of you guys? I know we got a lot of students here. But have you ever heard that phrase? My, my parents uh, used to say that all the time. And, and really, the principle is, is that, um, you know, people of the same company or the same kind of, uh, I don't know, social demographic or interest in music, interest in art and stuff like that, they, they tend to, like, cluster together and make groups, don't they? You know, you're not going to find a hipster at a Gwar concert. Okay, does anybody know who Gwar is? Praise God, you don't want to. Don't listen to them. Death metal is what it is. But you're not going to find, you know, like a, a Gwar uh, uh, instrumentalist, a drummer, at a symphony. You know, is it true that, that different uh, interests and likes, they, they, they seem, even if, it's, even if it's in personality, you know, being uh, a person who is more you know, kind of like glasses half empty, you know, when, when my wife is like, no, it's, it's more, you know, full. I think I'm saying that right. But, you know, being that type of person, I have a tendency and a gravity to kind of be pulled towards different circles that I'm like the same person of. Is, does that make sense? You know, like, um, you know, if misery likes company, right? Is that, we know that, right? We, we've heard that saying. I think they made a movie about it. Uh, it's kind of sadistic movie. I wouldn't recommend you watch it. But anyways, um, misery likes company. And that's the, that's kind of the way we are. You know, I, me, me, my taste of music, you're not going to find me at a heavy metal concert. You're going to find me at more of like a Coldplay type U2 deal, right? Um, so the danger is, is that um, in the context, I think, would be the right word of, um, of, of not kind of coming out of what you're familiar with, you become rutted and kind of entrapped. And, 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 and really what you should want to do and I should want to do as a person who is more, uh, has a more tendency to hang around kind of like the lowly and the miserable, I, 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 I can't. I got to associate myself with people who are cheerful. That's why my wife is good for me. You know, people from the outside may look at us and say, wow, you guys are like polar opposites. We are. I ain't got to lie. You probably notice that when we speak. Okay? But I have to like mingle with that type of people group. Because if I don't, there's a danger. And the danger is, is that I might wallow in the mire with people who are just like me. You know? Can we attest to that? So I guess my point is, and this is just my introduction, hopefully it's a good one, but my point is, is that if you tend to be a, a kind of Debbie Downer type, that you might want to start associating with cheerful, happy people, as much as they may annoy you. All you miserable people know what I'm talking about. <sighs> okay, that got some laughs. So the question is, right, if you're like me, if you're a person, and I'm kind of being transparent, who is 
you know, has a tendency to be miserable or has a tendency to be unhappy or kind of grumpy, kind of rough is what my wife calls me. She's just kind of rough. The question comes into how can we grow in attitude and gratitude? Sorry, I almost went to my next point. And I, I just want to say this, that attitude is everything. Attitude is the way we grow in gratitude. I know it sounds totally cheeseball, and it is. But it works. Actually, studies have shown that people who, are re- who regularly practice feeling thankful have a leg up when it comes to their health and many other things. According to Robert Emmons, a psychologist, uh, I'm sorry, a professor at the University of uh, California, Davis. He's a leading researcher in the growing field term positive psychology. His research has found that those who adopt an attitude of gratitude as a permanent state of mind experience many health benefits. And there's a list of some of these health benefits that they experience. They take better care of themselves physically and mentally. Well, I could use a little of that. They engage more in proactive health behaviors and maintenance. Um, They get more regular exercise. They eat a healthier diet. Praise God, I could use some more of that. Uh, They have improved mental alertness. Some of you need that. I definitely need that. They schedule regular physical examinations with their doctors. They cope better with stress. I could use a lot of that. In daily challenges, they feel happy, more optimistic have stronger immune systems. It's my son. He's got like an immune system of a, I don't even know. It's just like sick one day, 12 hours maybe, he's good. They maintain a better view of the future. You know, with a list of these benefits, who wouldn't want to at least try it? An attitude of gratitude, right? The point is your attitude plays a large role in determining rather you can feel grateful in spite of life's challenges. Let me, let me say that again. Your attitude plays a large role in determining whether you can feel grateful in spite of life's challenges. Gratitude is defined by our attitude towards both the outside world and ourselves. Those who are aware of their pos- uh, those who are aware of the positives in their lives tend to focus their attention outside of themselves. You know, for us who maybe don't always have a good attitude, doesn't the, it it all seem to become about us? Little self-absorbs maybe sometimes, you know? But when you, when you start to cultivate a, a positive outlook on life, a positive attitude about life, man, you can take your eyes off yourself and you can care maybe more so for the needs of others. Man, this is a great tip for intercessors. (laughs) You know, because uh, usually in prayer, we'll get into these prayer sets and they'll be all about us and little about others. But isn't really the act of intercession to make supplication for others? I mean, if I'm just coming to an intercession set and I'm totally just, Lord, I'm so broken, Lord, I'm so, I mean, and that's just the totality of my prayer language. What, what is that? But when you start to develop a positive attitude, man, it can take your eyes off yourself and it can put them on the knees of others. Let me find myself in my notes. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. You know, I'm pretty sure that when Paul used the word in all circumstances... He really meant in all circumstances. Real heavy, right? But why does it seem, or why do we have the tendency to only give thanks when we're on that mountaintop, you know? When, we're, when everything is going good and as it should, right? Maybe the bank account is a little bit more positive than it is negative. Maybe your girlfriend kind of likes you better because you start brushing your teeth. But you know, I find that, man, there's something rich about giving thanks to God in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a circumstances, in the midst of when there seems to be no reason to be thankful and grateful. 
because I'm surrounded or maybe bombarded through circumstances. There is something so joyful and triumphant about standing in the midst of your circumstances that might be a little bit Debbie Downer and standing and giving thanks to God. But we, it's true that we tend to kind of be circumstance orientated. To, to, well, I'll give thanks if. And we don't even do it, I think, mentally. It's not a mental game we play. It's just something that plays out in our life, isn't it? It's not like it's premeditated. It's just something that plays out. We, you know, we tend to be a little bit more chipper when life's a little bit better and serves us a better card. But, man, there's just something so powerful and so needed in the body of Christ where we can rejoice in the midst of hardship, where we can be thankful in the midst of persecution, where we can be grateful when maybe life is not going according to the way that we think it should. That's why I love 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. And then he sums it up, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you no longer have to be confused about the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life is that you would give thanks in all circumstances. In the good, the bad, on the mountaintop, in the valley. Some of us need to hear this today. Because we are so circumstance orientated when it comes to our worship, when it comes to our praise. You can, you know, you can almost feel it in this room. You can tell. Man, okay, let me just give this analogy. I did this one time, it's, this is a funny one. You know, because we have a chance to, well, we have a chance to be in front of a lot of people and do a lot of things and just kind of see like the emotional roller coaster of some people's lives. And we do, you know, some sets throughout the week, some prayer sets, some worship sets, and you can just tell when somebody is exuberant and they're, they're filled with vigor, they're filled with such passion and thankfulness, they come into, yes, and you're just like, whoa, that person's going crazy. They love Jesus. And then it's like this, this quick change. Maybe a day down the road, they come in. And it's, like a, it's like a switch. It's boof. What happened to you? Just yesterday, you were like... The whole room went in travail because you were so passionate about Jesus. I mean, of course, we don't do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not confronting people like that. And I'm not trying to any way negate the emotional experiences that we have and how they affect us. But people sometimes, listen, again, there is something just awesome about standing in the midst of your circumstances and saying, I will not be moved. I will be grateful. I will be thankful. And though I don't feel a thing right now, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy right now for me to raise my hands and exalt you. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to. Praise God. So that was my introduction. Now we're going to get into some scripture. What I'd like to do in this message is to persuade you from the scripture that God has appointed gratitude as one of the essential guardians of your soul. I'd like to kindle in you a deep feeling of thankfulness to the Lord that cannot be dictated by circumstances. If you would turn with me to Colossians 2, 1 through 8. I'm going to read some scripture here. I'm going to do a brief exposition of Colossians 2, 1 through 8. And then I'm going to illustrate my main point from a half a dozen other texts in the scripture. Hopefully. I know some of you are getting nervous. It's already 5.16. Don't be. I'm not going to keep you. We're just going to get into the word of God. Amen. Colossians 2, 1 through 8. And I have the King James Version. I will not be reading that. Praise God. For I want you to know how great of a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen my face, I'm, I'm sorry, and for all who have not seen my face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, 
to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Verse 3. In whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For, the, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in what? Abounding in what? Abounding in thanksgiving. Maybe some translations say gratitude. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So Paul begins chapter 2 by calling attention to what? His struggle. The struggle he's having for the people in in Colossians in Laodicean. Paul says in verse 2, for I want you to know how greatly I strive for you and for those at Laodicean. And for all who have not seen my face. We know from uh, Colossians 4.10 that Paul is actually writing this in prison. What a place to be. That's important to note. So the striving that he refers to must be some struggle or must be some striving in the place of prayer. There's not much you could do in prison but pray, right? (laughs) Well, you can't really say that because hopefully none of us have been there. Paul believes that if they know how he is suffering, why? He's suffering because he's in prison. So he believes that if he knows if he's suffering, um, uh, that they will be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. Doesn't that happen? If somebody's suffering, if somebody's going through a hard time as a church, what do we feel? We just be like, oh, sorry, Bob. Sorry you're going through that, man. No, we rally together, right? We come together. If it's somebody we love, it kind of knits us and brings us together and we ask how we can serve those people. So how does this work? How does this knitting together work? You're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to have to really rely upon my notes to do this because I hope to kind of truck us through some scripture here to kind of get my main point about gratitude. So, He says that it works through the knitting together of our hearts. Amen. In my opinion, I think what Paul's trying to say, that as our hearts are knit together, as as their hearts are knit together with his hearts and each other's hearts because of what Paul is going through, his suffering. In other words, by telling them of his suffering and struggles for them, He hopes that they will feel themselves drawn to him and to each other with cords of love. You understand that? My my kind of explanation there is like, if one person suffers, we all suffer. Isn't isn't that what Paul said? If one brother is going through something, if one sister is going through something, then the whole body might as well go through it. And this is what Paul is trying to hopefully do with these people. But there's something very unusual about this. Paul is trying to make a quilt, uh, uh, you know, that when love knits hearts together into a beautiful quilt of unity, the result is not merely stronger affection, but also stronger understanding. Remember that in the first couple chapter, um, verses, I'm sorry, um, uh, in actually verse 2, um, he goes... In their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full insurance and understanding and the knowledge of what? God's mystery, which is Christ Jesus. So uh, uh, in this knitting together of the heart, uh, Paul is also bringing us to realize that we have to grow in a deeper understanding of who God is. So in essence... uh, I'm, I'm lost myself. Hold on one second. Where am I going? Jesus, help me. 
I hate notes. So, harp, so here we go. Sorry, I found myself. Maybe the MacBook Pro wasn't the way to go. Paul hopes that their hearts will be knit together in love. Why? To have all the riches of assured understanding of what? The knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures in wisdom of knowledge. In other words, the way to get assured understanding about the mystery of God, namely Jesus Christ, is to have your heart knit together in love with other believers. Does that make sense? Okay. The deepest insights into the character of God and the wisdom of God comes first into the heads, right? And then it's attached to loving hearts. God's mystery and treasure of Christ's wisdom and to heads of those whose hearts are knit together. Now remember that all of this is attended by Paul to encourage the Colossians and the Laodiceans. Verse 2 begins that their hearts may be encouraged, that their love for one another and their deeper assurance of understanding is all for the sake of what? Encouragement. But now in verse 4, let's read it. Verse 4, I say this, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So, his immediate uh, concern right now is that the believers there would guard themselves uh, from delusion. You know, there's someone trying to mislead them, and Paul is concerned. So, how does Paul seek to guard them? He tells them first about his tremendous struggle. Second, he hopes that this will knit their hearts together in love, and the bond of love will grow amongst them. Third, he has a deep, he wants to deep, he, he, ha, he wants a deep, fully assured understanding of God, and that out of this love and understanding would emerge. Fourth, a strong encouragement of faith, and that this encouragement would be. Fifth, the power that guards them from delusion and beguiling speech. So pretty much what I'm trying to get at here is in these camps, there are, there's an outside uh, thing beginning to brew. There is believers that are starting to kind of make their way in and pollute the truth of the word of God. Paul's aware of this. He understands fully what's going on. He can't do anything about it. But he, he says, listen, I know I'm not with you there in flesh, but I'm with you there in spirit. And you need to be watchful, people, because there's people that are coming in and trying to pervert the word of God. Well, that was loud. Praise God. No, it's good. I think it woke everybody up because my preaching's not doing a good job. Amen. No, I'm just joking. So some, there's, there's people making their way, and Paul is saying, be watchful, friend. Be watchful. So how does he tell them to be watchful? Let's go to verse uh, 6 and 8. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 6, 7, and 8. Therefore, because you remember in the first couple of verses, Paul has already said, be watchful. For there's people who are trying to pervert the word of God through arguments. They're trying to uh, maybe persuade you, as he says in verse 8, with philosophies and empty uh, uh, deceit according to human traditions. And here in verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So essentially, Paul is saying, I believe, guard yourself with gratitude. Guard yourself with thanksgiving. Be watchful. Be aware that there's, that there's people who are 
desiring to try to pervert the word of God and maybe lead you astray with doctrines that we never preached when we were amongst you, beware. But most of all, friend, abound in thanksgiving. Come on. We could use to abound in thanksgiving. You know, because we just don't always have outside forces trying to pull at us. But there is a lot that traffics within our souls, isn't there? There's a lot of traffic that goes on in here. And, and, and sometimes we need to like wrap that, that attitude and that posture of thanksgiving around us like armor. I have found so much victory, you know, being a worship leader, now being a pastor. I have found so much victory in giving God glory, not just when things are going well. But man, there's something that is so glorious and so powerful when life seems to be hard, but yet I'm rising above. Man, even as a worship leader, there is something about the songs of God that are found in the struggles of life. Man, struggles and hardship, maybe some of you aren't musicians, praise God. You know, as Christians, I think we're all musicians because we can just all lift up a song at any time we want to the Lord, be it in our car, be it at a church on a Sunday morning. You know, it does, we don't have to have a decent voice and a good uh, uh, a handle on trying to play an instrument. Man, you're a worship leader as a Christian. You're, I'm sorry, you're not a worship leader because heaven forbid that happened. But you're a worshiper. <laughs> you understand? People may not like your voice, but God does. And isn't there something... When, isn't there something powerful when, when, when life is hard, when, when things are just, yeah, you know? You know what I mean? You all know what I mean. And man, instead of kind of wallowing in the mire, just getting through, man, you just start to give thanks to God. You know, you just, you know, some of you people who can't sing, you just start singing for the Lord. You know, you're in your car and people are looking at you like, oh, Jesus. And you just have, but isn't there something glorious about it? Isn't there? Is it there? You know what I mean. I'm telling you, there needs to be a world that sees a happy group of people. The good news is just that. It's good news. Guys, it's enough. I often say this, that what Christ did on the cross for you and me is enough to make us grateful for a lifetime. So, what do I mean? If you can't find any other reason to be grateful, friend, you just remember what Christ did for you on the cross, man. And if that doesn't drum some thanksgiving in your heart, you're dead. I, mean, I'm, I love you, but you're dead. Guys, we have been redeemed, reconciled to God. Whoo! We will spend eternity with him. We don't deserve it, but man, he gave it. And if the cross is not enough for a believer to get excited about God and to be grateful to God, man, put the defibrillators on because you need a shock, friend. You need a shock. So how do we get there? You just got to do it. You know, remember that guy? Oh, no, it's this way. You know, what was that little saying? The Nike swoosh. You know, right? What was the slogan on that swoosh Michael Jordan thing? It was just do it. Some of you need to stop looking for a reason to do it and just do it. Come on. I got to do those things because I just feel like you need to laugh sometimes. Man, I feel like we're at a funeral. You just got to do it, friend. It's not going to be done for you. Some mysterious being, some kind of whatever is not going to come and try to flip your switch. 
to be grateful or thanks, to give thanks to God, you just got to do it. And I want to encourage you not just to do it when things are well, but you try doing it when things are not well. Whew. Now that's powerful. That's powerful. And that is freeing. I'm just going to bury my notes because I couldn't follow notes to save my life. Praise God. The world needs to see grateful people. Right? The world needs to see happy people. Why? Because of what Christ did for us. If, if we don't have something to give, what is going to make people want to it, it kind of lay hold and kind of, you know, if I could just imagine that if I was introduced, actually I was, when I was, uh, when my dad had got saved, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of in this frozen church, you know, where he got saved. I mean, the Lord moved his heart, but man, you, could, I, I, sometimes I thought I was going to a funeral and not a church service. You know, just like, nobody, raise your hand, nope, get your hand down. You know, of course, I, we didn't even know what raising your hands was because nobody did it. But, you know, the essence of what I'm trying to, saying, trying to say right now in this short little time as we close is that there is reason to be grateful. You don't need another reason. God's not looking to re- write another book. He's not, re- he's not getting, you know, up there in heaven writing the Bible, 0.20, whatever. He's not doing the new version. This is it. There's enough within this book to get us excited about Jesus. There's enough in the Word of God to make us forever grateful And that means even in the midst of your hard circumstances, that means even in the midst of your trials, you try just putting forth another attitude when those trials come in. And rather than getting stuck, getting kind of chained up, getting kind of stuck up, man, you just try to get a song of praise up in you. And then you see what happens. And you just do that over and over and over and over and over and over again until those things are broken and until you don't even want to go back to that place because you've already learned a new way. You know, there's something that's going on in my life right now where I can't even relate to kind of looking at, you know, we've had a couple situations come our way that are kind of rocking. They're kind of, you know, that's like, oh God, what are you going to do? I don't want to get into the explanations, but some shaking is going on in the temple family and it's good. I like that the best about that video that we saw with Bob, Bob Sorge was you don't want God to leave you alone. And, and, and that was the most powerful statement on that whole video. I thought, you don't want to be left alone by God. So I attribute shaking is God. I'm trying to get your attention, Daryl. I'm trying to get, I'm not going to leave you to yourself here. I'm going to shake it up. I'm going to shake it up. And that's exactly what it does in me. Get a little shaken. I get, okay, God, I got to i got to come in. i got to get into your presence. i got to start, stop striving in my own flesh, trying to figure it out in my own mind. i got to get near you. So that's what it's starting to do. But man, in the midst of some of these shakings, I find that the attitude and the outcome is changing. By why? Or how? Because I am more grateful in the midst of these shaking than I ever was. Before, it was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Bethany, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. Let's just stop everything, pack it up, let's run. Ah! What kind of testimony would that be? Kind of te- you know what I'm saying? So I've learned a new way of doing things. And I find that this new way of doing things actually releases the power of God in my life. Amen? What do I mean by that? I'm not necessarily saying, you know, uh, uh, you know power, Holy Ghost, woo, get it. No. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Woo! No, it's not what I'm saying. There's a power where you don't know where the uh, provision, you don't know where the answer is going to come from. But man, with confidence and with gratefulness, you just sit and you wait, and the Lord brings it. That's the power I'm talking about. So, so before it was nervous Nancy. Oh my God, we need to just... Uh, And now it's no. God has a way. He's doing something. 
He doesn't want to leave us alone, Bethany. He wants our hearts. He wants to make a new way, a new way of handling things and processing things and dealing with things. And, and man, I find that through this, the Lord meets me a lot faster. And I start to see a provision of which I could never have brought myself. I could have, and I'm not talking about financial provision. There's a lot more provisions, friends, than just financial blessing, okay? There, there are provisions of a healthy whole heart. There's provisions of, of, of God is with me, you know, and the confidence of it. You know, that's easier said than been done. Yeah, God's with me. Didn't you know? He's right there, you know. But there's the confidence of when you know God's with you. There's, there's just that reassurance that God is here and he's with me. I'm not going to be moved by this. I'm not going to be moved by that. The Lord is doing something. He hasn't brought me this far just to leave me here. If you could look at things like that, man, there would be a power released in your life to stand and to stand firm. Oh, thank you, God. So what is the point? I say this all the time, that God wants to put a backbone of steel in us as Christians and as believers. It's not much testimony in a, a jellyfish. You know, just go where the wind blows. But there is a testimony in a believer who has stood. There is a testimony in a believer who hadn't let the bad circumstances and situations alter or change the course or direction that the Lord set him on, is there? But there's a testimony today in believers who have overcome, who have not been shaken, and who have not let these things blow and knock them down, but who have stood firm even in the midst of experiencing hardship. Lord, we need those believers in the church God wants a firm foundation under your feet. And the way you're going to get there is to build a life filled with gratitude. There is no amount of complaining, grumbling, venting, or what we like to call these days as talking. That it's going to change the circumstance. There's only one man. His name is Christ, and if you can get in the posture of giving him thanks and guarding yourself with gratitude, he will change it. He will bring the provision. Come on, do you need an answer today? Is there something that you're faced with today that you know is impossible in your own human strength? I do. I got a couple of them. I like that ringtone. Praise God. I got some situations that I need the Lord to answer me in, to bring forth a breakthrough, and I'm sure you do too. I want to encourage you to stand, but don't stand wallowing in the mire. Don't stand offended with God and why he's not and why he didn't and why he should. Listen, he knows. Let's bow our heads. Father, our desire is that we would be a grateful and thankful people. And God, most of all, we do not want that thanks to be determined, God, by things that come to shake and things that come to challenge our faith. And God, we know that the enemy is like a lion. He's seeking whom of which he can destroy. And God, there is only one thing that is going to give us the resolve, Lord. There's only one thing that is going to cause us to stand in the midst of battle. God, that's a firm faith. And that's gratitude. So tonight, God, I ask, Lord, that you would release the gift of thankfulness, God, that you would release a gift of gratitude in our midst. 
that we would be a people who are filled with joy, that are filled with a cheerful heart, and our cheerful heart would be a medicine unto the world. Lord, that it would be a medicine unto other believers. Heal us, God, and most of all, forgive us of our grumbling and our complaining. Place within us, God, a grateful heart. Cause the, cro the cross, Lord, to be ever before our eyes, imprinted on our eyelids, God, that we could, we could forever be grateful and sustained in thanksgiving, Lord, through what Christ did. Deliver us, God, from misery. God, I ask, Lord, that you would deliver us from depression. Even now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, that you would cut the chains, that you would cut the ties of the enemy, the vices of the devil. God, that our eyes would be lifted, lifted on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we thank you that you brought us this far. You'll not leave us alone. You'll bring us all the way through. So God, I ask, Lord, come. Come to us, Lord. I feel like some people are getting ministry. I just want to be sensitive to that. Holy Spirit, increase. Increase your ministry. encourage you to pray for those who are getting ministry right now from the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Lord wants to do something in the area of deliverance. I just encourage no one to be scared of these manifestations. They're good means the Lord's operating on us. He's operating on our hearts. We need more tears in the church. We, we need more of a sensitivity. I just want to encourage right now at this time, anybody who needs prayer, hey, maybe you are prone to being miserable. <laughs> Maybe there's just places where you could use a little bit more happiness, a little bit more cheerfulness in your heart and in your life. I would encourage you to come on up and let's pray for you. Stevie, just wait a little bit on those who might want to come up.